Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. I want to welcome you this morning. Um, I pray that you have enjoyed this series, Body of Evidence, at least half as much as I've enjoyed preparing each and every week for this. It was nearly two months ago that we as a church family stepped into an incredible season um, that according to Christian tradition and according to the church calendar is simply called Easter Tide. So it, it actually is a, an incredible season that we often don't even think about in the church, but it begins on what's known as Resurrection Sunday, what we call in the Western culture Easter. It's a one-day event. It isn't a one-day event according to Scripture, but it begins with Resurrection Sunday, and it culminates 50 days later. So 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, and 10 days after his ascension. It culminates on what we know today as Pentecost Sunday. That's what today is. If you look at a church calendar, you might actually see that word Pentecost Sunday. Now that That may not mean a great deal to you this morning, but according to the New Testament, it is a really, really big deal because Pentecost Sunday um, commemorates the birth of the church of Jesus Christ, and it is actually commenced with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. In human flesh. So the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit fills these 120 believers that had been waiting for 10 days in an upper room for this promise that Jesus had made to them is coming. You know, there's an old adage good things come to those who wait. This is the best thing that could have ever come to those who chose to wait. And in this series, we've been focusing on a body of evidence, a body of evidence that points to the fact that not only did Jesus rise from the dead, but Jesus is very much alive today, and his presence can be seen and experienced right here on this earth through this body of evidence. So in this series, we've already talked about five, what I call enduring evidences that Jesus is very much alive and his presence is here. The first being the church that was born on the day of Pentecost. That is the physical presence of Jesus here on earth. So you and I collectively comprise the body of Christ. It's compelling evidence. We talked about a second evidence, which is diverse unity. Unity that can only be created through Jesus Christ. The evidence of love. That every time we love through God, every time we let God's love come through us, it's proof positive that Jesus is alive. Jesus is here. The new birth. The fact that Jesus is being born again and again and again through those who are actually surrendering their hearts to him 
and inviting him into their life. That is called the new birth or the second birth. It's compelling evidence that Jesus was not just born one time, but he is born again and again through the Holy Spirit. And then the, four, the fifth evidence we've talked about is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The fact that we as followers of Christ call upon that name when we pray points to the fact that Jesus' name brings something to us and is actually expressed through us. Now this morning I want to present to us one additional evidence that again we celebrate here this particular Sunday on what is known as the day of Pentecost. So let me make a few introductory remarks as I lead into this before I give you this, this final uh, evidence that we want to talk about in this series. Let's go first of all to Romans chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 and 22. Since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Here's what these verses teach us. That death comes to all through Adam. That's really bad news. Because when we are born physically, we are in Adam, which means all of us have died, spiritually speaking. But here's the good news. It's actually the great news. Is that life comes to us through Jesus, and so that all who are now in Jesus have life. And here's the deal. There are only two categories of people here on the earth today. That's it. You are either in Adam or you are in Christ. When God looks at us, God sees us as either still in Adam or in Christ. Which means we are either still dead in our sin and our transgressions or we are now in Christ and made alive. I mean really alive, not just physically but spiritually in him. So in this auditorium this morning, you are in either one, two of those groups. You're in one of two groups. You are either in Christ or you are in Adam. And here's the deal. If you are not in Christ, then according to Scripture, you are still in Adam, dead in sin and transgression. Both Adam and Christ had a profound impact on humanity. 
And when Jesus teaches throughout Scripture, he actually uses illustrations to point again and again to the fact that there are not multiple categories, there are actually two. And he illustrates this in a number of ways throughout Scripture. He talks about that there are two roads, only two roads. You are either on a wide road, which many will travel, or you are walking on a narrow road which leads to life that few, the Bible says, will travel. There's two roads. There's two hearts. Jesus talked about the fact that you either have a heart that is an evil heart or you have a heart that is a good heart. The evil heart brings forth out of its abundance evil deeds and evil thoughts. But the good heart that's been transformed That heart brings forward a treasure trove of good things that flow out of a good heart that has been redeemed by him. He talks about, to his disciples, about one day we're all going to stand before God. All of us are going to be giving an account of our life, a reckoning of sorts. And he said that every person is going to be divided into one of two groups. You'll either be on the right hand of, of, of Jesus or you'll be on the left hand. And he characterizes those on his right as the sheep and those on the left as the goats. Not multiple, but two. So this morning, we are either in Adam, or we have through repentance and through his forgiveness, we are now made alive together with him, and we are now in Christ. And here's the reality. I don't know which category you're in this morning and neither do you. But time and eternity will reveal which group we really belong to. Are we in Adam still, or are we in Christ? So here's how Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 15 culminates this thought that leads us in to this next evidence we want to talk about. Verse 45 of the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. This next body of evidence is what I would simply call a life-giving spirit or, more specifically, the spirit of Jesus Christ. As a physical body, you have a spirit. You do not walk this earth as an empty shell. In fact, the real you is not what I see physically today. The real me is not what you see physically today. The real me is the part that is hidden. It's the part that no one can really know fully and completely except God. Every single body on this earth has a spirit And so this morning when we talk about this evidence of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So throughout the Bible, the Spirit of God is sometimes referred to as the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of Christ. And although those terms are kind of used interchangeably in Scripture, they actually refer to some unique 
distinctions about the way that the Spirit is manifest in us. We simply refer interchangeably to those things as what we call the Holy Spirit. Now, a little theology here I think will be useful for us as we think about this today. The Spirit of Jesus is a particular expression that refers to what is resident and what is contained in the incarnated Son of God. In other words, the Son of God that became flesh. So before Jesus is ever given a body, there is a spirit that is placed inside of Mary. So when we talk about the spirit of Jesus, when the the New Testament refers to the spirit of Jesus, it is referring to that spirit that has a physical presence. And it's called Jesus. And here's what's so significant about this term, spirit of Jesus. It actually is not just referring to the divinity of God, it's referring to the humanity of God. It's what we mean when we say Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. It means that resident in the spirit of Jesus is both a divine spirit and a human spirit. It is a spirit that experienced human life. It is a spirit that experienced human death through the cross. This is the spirit that Jesus actually promises to his disciples. He promises to us before he actually surrenders his life willingly to die on the cross. John's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 37 through 39 On the last and greatest day of the festival, this is referring to one of the three great Jewish festivals, the festival of tabernacles or booths or Sukkot, it's called. It's a festival that commemorated God's divine provision for 40 years as the children of Israel walked through the wilderness. On the last and greatest day of that Jewish festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now, notice what it says. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to this time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So if you look at Scripture, here's what the Scripture teaches. The Holy Spirit at times would come upon people. The Holy Spirit would fall upon individuals. But never before Jesus had the Holy Spirit lived within anyone. No human being had ever had the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God living in them. Only Jesus. He's the first. And this is the promise he makes. When I'm glorified, you're going to receive my spirit, the spirit of Jesus. But you're also going to receive the spirit of Christ. Remember, we talked about Christ is not the last name of Jesus. 
right? Christ is the title. It is one that brings the authority and the power of God. So where the spirit of Jesus is the resident spirit within the incarnated Son of God, the spirit of Christ refers to the the spirit that is in the resurrected Son of God. It is the one that overcame death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible says that we are promised that at the day, on the day of Pentecost, that God was going to pour out his spirit on all humanity, on all who would choose to believe in him. And that we would get not just the spirit of Jesus, but we would get the spirit of Christ. We would get a spirit that both understands suffering and pain and heartache and hardship, but we would also get the spirit that overcomes death in the end. That every person who is in Christ is now promised the spirit. And this spirit that is given to us is first and foremost about our salvation. In other words, anyone who doesn't have the spirit of Jesus Christ is not born again, cannot be born again. The new birth happens by the spirit of Jesus Christ being implanted in us through faith in Christ. And also, we are not given the power and the authority that comes with the name of Jesus Christ. I shared last week that Jesus, before he ascended, he promised to, to impart two things to his followers. He said, I'm going to transfer two things. I'm going to transfer my authority in my name, but I'm also going to transfer my power that is in my name. So Matthew chapter 28 refers to this authority that we talked about, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came close to them and said, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day even to the completion of this age. So Jesus promises his authority. But Jesus knew that his authority alone would be insufficient. He knew that we needed more than just the authority of the spirit of Jesus Christ. We also needed the power that is resident in his name. Now there's a really interesting illustration of this that's found in the book of Acts. Because what it points to is it points to the distinction between the authority of the name of Jesus and the power of his name. Here's the story, Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 13. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus 
in their incantation saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Let me just pause there. What these Jews are doing is they're actually name dropping. They don't even know who Jesus Christ is. I mean, not in a real experiential way. So what they're doing is they're borrowing the authority of that name and they're borrowing the authority of Paul, who they watch do this time and time and time again. He is confronting spirits that are not of God and he's exercising both authority and power in the name of Jesus Christ. So here's what they say. They they, they use his name as an incantation saying, I command you in the name of of, of Jesus, whom Paul preaches to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time, when they tried it, the evil spirit responded, I know Jesus, and, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked, and battered. What was the problem with what they were doing? The problem was they were trying to exercise an authority they did not have the credentials or credibility to exercise. Listen, the problem is not with the name of Jesus. The evil spirit responded to the name of Jesus. The problem was they just did not have the credibility or the credentials within them, the power that comes through a personal experience with Christ to exercise this. And so notice in the story that the authority of the name of Jesus was insufficient to overpower the evil spirit. What they lacked is what Paul the Apostle possessed. He did not just possess the authority that came through Jesus. He possessed the power that came through the spirit of Jesus Christ that was resident within him. Both a spirit that is found in the incarnated Christ, but also a spirit that is found in the resurrected Son of God. He knew it himself, he had experienced it himself, and now he's not using some kind of spell trying to do it like they were doing. He comes with the power and the authority that is promised on the day of Pentecost, that is experienced by by Jesus, and and then is promised to everybody who will wait for the fulfillment of that promise. And here's here's what's promised in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says in Matthew 28, here's my authority, it's yours. But then he says in Acts 1, 8, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Do not miss that word, witnesses. What is the ultimate purpose? of this power that is promised to us through the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Jesus actually tells us clearly 
in his final statement before he ascends. He said, that power is so that you will be my witnesses. Let, let me put it another way. That power is so that you'll be my body of evidence. It'll be so that everybody that experiences you will actually experience me. Everybody that hears you speak, they're actually going to hear my voice. Everybody that experiences your grace, your kindness, your gentleness, they're going to experience it mine. And here's what's so interesting about the word. That word witnesses actually is a word that comes from the, in the original Greek that literally means martyrs. It's not a very popular word today, is it? So what Jesus is saying is, you'll receive power when the spirit of Jesus Christ comes on you and you'll be my martyrs. What does he mean? He means you are both going to identify with the death and crucifixion of Jesus, but you're also going to identify, embody, and be resident within you the resurrection power of Jesus. You will have both the grace to endure hardship with Jesus, but you'll also have the power and authority to overcome that hardship through the spirit of Jesus Christ that's now resident within you. It is a powerful promise that Jesus here is making to us that we would be literally his body of evidences that people would experience the crucifixion and the resurrection resident within us because the spirit of Jesus Christ now fills our lives. We can endure death, but we can look forward to hope, to resurrection. Now, now how did Paul talk about this? He actually expressed that with these words. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. My old identity, listen to this, my old identity has been crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by faith in the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into me. Listen to what I'm about to say this morning. You and I cannot live the Christian life. It is impossible. But the Spirit who dwells within us can live it through us. And it is the only way it can be lived through us. It is not through might. It is not by our power. It is only by the spirit of the living God, the spirit of Jesus Christ resident in me. That I have any hopes of living a Christ-centered life. It's the only way. How will I endure hardship? How will I suffer with Jesus? How can I experience, be, be subject to death again and again and again in my life? I can't do it in my own power but I can do it by his grace. How in the world am I able to look forward to something new when something dies in me and something dies in my life and I go, I feel so empty. How can I ever experience 
the life that he promises. It's only through his spirit that lives in me. I can't do it in my own strength. It's impossible. And Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3. It's actually a prayer. Verses 10 and 11. I want to know Christ. This is my prayer. I want to know Christ. And to experience, notice the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Man, we all get excited about resurrection, don't we? Isn't that a great thing to think, look forward to? And one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rise from the dead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conquer death. That seems so exciting, the power of resurrection. But what Paul says and what Paul understands is what we so often neglect, and that is that we've got to suffer with him first. We, we've got to be willing to experience with the spirit of Jesus Christ living in us the death that comes this side of eternity. Now listen, friends, as we close out this series, I want you to understand something. This day reminds us that without God, we can do nothing. That apart from him, we can do nothing. This day reminds us that it is the spirit of Jesus Christ in us that enables us to identify with him and to have his authority and power resident within us and living through us. I want to end the series where we began this series. When God chose to invade this earth with his presence, God did it by implanting his spirit into physical flesh. That's where it began. God said, I'm going to place the seed of my spirit inside of a virgin. She then is going to bring forth and birth God's presence, physical presence, here on earth. So what we got to understand is this. Jesus was the first installment of God's physical presence on the earth. But Jesus is not the final installment of that physical presence. We are. So I want you to watch and look with me at how the gospel story ends. Think of the gospels this morning, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as a collection, a volume of sorts, pointing to the life and ministry of Jesus on the earth. So all four of the gospels end slightly different, but let's look at how Mark's gospel ends this morning, his Narrative, Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 19 through 20. When the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere. They didn't just do this with their words. They did this with their lives. Notice it. They went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. So where the Gospels end, 
the book of Acts picks it up. And the book of Acts is actually called, if you look at your scripture, your narrative, your copy of God's word, you may notice that Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. It's actually not the correct title. It's the Acts of Jesus Christ through the Apostles. That's what the book of Acts is all about. It is about Jesus continuing to work with them, confirming his word by the signs that they were going to do, by the things that they were going to do. And we read in 28 chapters of the Acts of Jesus Christ through the apostles, all of these incredible evidences that are flowing through their lives. It's pretty astounding, to be honest with you. But how the the book of the Acts of Jesus through the apostles ends is what I want you to see this morning. Acts chapter 28, verse 31. He, Paul, continued to proclaim all the truths of God's kingdom realm, teaching them about the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, speaking triumphantly and without any restriction. End of the book. It's a, it's a, it's a really clunky way to end a book. So where all the other books of the New Testament kind of end with a benediction of sorts, with some kind of final remarks, This one is almost like midstream, it just stops. The story just stops. But the story doesn't stop. And that's the reason I would submit to you this morning that Acts ends the way that it does. Because Acts 28 was never intended to be the end of the Acts of Jesus Christ through his followers. God knew in the writing of the narrative of Scripture that there was going to be an Acts 29, and then Acts 30, and an Acts 31, and 32, and 33, and so on and so forth. In fact, you can think of the year we're living in as the year of Acts 2019. This book of the Acts of Jesus Christ through his followers, continues. And there is still this body of evidence that is alive and well here on the earth. And that body of evidence is pointing to the fact that Jesus has a physical presence called the church. That Jesus is still tearing down dividing walls that have been built by prejudice and racism and and ethnic pride. He is still tearing them down and making us one in him. Jesus is still letting his love pour through us. A kind of love that actually looks our enemies and those who hate us in the eyes and says, we're praying for you. We love you. We care for you even though you despise us. The kind of love that is birthing God on this earth through a new birth, a second birth that can only be done by his spirit and the power of a name that brings both authority and power through what we do here on the earth. Listen, it has not ended. Acts is not over. The body of evidence is still alive and well. And God is just simply looking on Pentecost Sunday for vessels that want to be filled and refilled and refilled with the Spirit of Jesus Christ.
That's actually what Paul says. Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word means it's in the present active tense. It means be continually filled. This is not a one-time event. I need to submit myself every day to be filled anew by God's Spirit. I need the Spirit of Jesus Christ to fill me and refill me. And this morning, I can't think of a better way to end out this series. But by simply waiting for just a few moments on God, just like they did in the early church, and saying, we want to be filled. Maybe for the first time. Maybe it's the first time you're giving your life to Christ. Or maybe this morning you recognize this is an invitation for you to be refilled. But whatever it is, wherever you are this morning, this is an invitation to us. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I'm going to ask you to just put yourself in a posture of being present with Jesus right now. Present with God. To make yourself available to him. To say, God, would you fill me today? Would you fill me with your spirit? Listen, if you've been trying to live the Christian life, stop it. Stop it. Just let him live in you. Because if he is alive in you, he will live it through you. It, it's not hard work. It's about surrender. It's about less work. It's about less effort. It's about letting him do it. So we're going to wait in silence for just a moment, and then I'm going to give you a cue. And when I do, if you're here this morning, and by way of invitation, you will give your body, your physical body, like Mary did, to be filled with the Spirit of God. I'm just going to ask you to stand, if, if you will, in just a moment, and then I want to pray. But right now, just as we sit, let's do it in silence before God. Let's be aware of his presence. If this morning you would want to be part of the body of evidence that Jesus Christ is alive and well here on this earth, you've got to be filled with his spirit. If you desire that this morning, would you just stand, please? And I just want to pray for all those who are here and saying, Lord, I make myself available just like they did in the upper room. I make myself available to be filled or refilled by the spirit of Jesus Christ the spirit of power, the spirit of authority. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you this morning for the way in which you have loved us, a love that knows no limits, no boundaries, has no breaking point, a love that went to a cross to give his life so that we could have that life in us. Thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the life-giving Spirit that fills us. And this morning, Lord, we lift up our hearts, we lift up our lives, God, we make ourselves simply available to you that we want to be filled. We want to be consumed. We want to be soaked by you. And so my prayer this morning, Lord, is that you would see the hearts of each person in this auditorium. You know their desires, their deepest longings. You know, God, their deepest need. You know, God, where they 
find themselves struggling or getting stuck in this life. You also know, God, how much you love them and how much you want to fill them with the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So my prayer this morning, Lord, for each and every one of us is that we would just open our lives to receive you today. That through faith, by grace, that we, God, will have our lives consumed by the Spirit of the living God. Thank you for both your authority and your power that is resident in the person of Jesus. Just as the Spirit of God makes God real to us, so we need the Spirit of Jesus Christ for Jesus Christ to be real to us. So I pray that this morning we would be consumed with your Spirit, that you would be real to us, Lord Jesus. That in every way our lives will reflect you and that we will be that body of evidence that you so desire for us collectively as Grace Crossing Church to be. Thank you, God, for this body, this local physical body that reflects you. Help us to be faithful, to steward the spirit of Jesus Christ well here on this earth. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. And we lift up and honor your name today, God, in this place. Asking these things in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.